Welcome everyone to Class Half Full. I'm your host, Jordan. And I'm your host, Ben. We are both lovers of classical music and want to share the fun and accessible side of it through this podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and like us on social media to stay up to date on all of our new episodes and content. The links are in the description, as well as the link to this episode's companion YouTube playlist, where you can find the full recordings of every piece we listen to today. If you have any questions on how to use the playlist, there will also be a tutorial video on our YouTube account. Before we get started, we'd like to acknowledge that some of the topics we cover may be foreign to many of our listeners, so please feel free and even encouraged to reach out via comments, email, or social media with any questions or requests for future episodes. Please enjoy, thanks for listening, and welcome to Class Half Full. Alright, welcome back to Class Half Full. Today we are going to be talking about a style of music called minimalism. Mm -hmm. Minimalism, one of the most simplistic yet um, exciting and beautiful subgenres of classical music. Pretty mind-melting, too, once we get into some of it. Yeah, definitely. They're kind of all like little puzzles in a way. Yeah. Um, they're really fun to listen to. Um, but let's talk about exactly what minimalism is. Every composer has their own definition of it, but basically most of them focus on one aspect of music at its core when they're writing their minimalist pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be focusing on the sound, the pitch, the rhythm, or whatever they come up with. Yeah. Um, and the two composers we want to look at today are Arvo Pert and Steve Reich. And they both have very contrasting ways of composing these minimalist, minimalist. pieces. Yeah. So Arvo Pert's piece that we're going to talk about today is called Spiegel im Spiegel. And that roughly translates to mirror in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And the aspect of music that Arvo Pert focuses on is pitch. So uh, basically, if we go back to kind of the most Ex- simplistic times. Yeah, explain this in very simple forms is he focuses on the combination of two notes at a time. So if you take two notes and you play them together, you get an interval. Right. And the interval is the distance from the first note to the second note. Mm-hmm. And each di- interval uh, creates different kinds of tensions. So um, back in the early days of classical music, they had what they called godly mm-hmm. intervals holy yeah. intervals the perfect intervals what perfect we call today intervals. exactly and those are much more of a kind of a ringing wholesome sort of sound they're mm-hmm. very empty feeling but still kind of warm yeah empty in an open way not like mm-hmm. a hollow way it's yeah exactly uh, it's it's a really cool sound so let's listen to uh, some of these perfect intervals now played on the piano So as you can hear, each of these intervals has a different sort of sound to it, but they all have that same sort of openness to them. Yeah. Um, they share that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other intervals have a lot more tense of sounds. So those include the second and the seventh. They have a lot of tension to them. They sound pretty evil in mm-hmm. a way. You really want to resolve these notes as soon as you can by bringing them back to one of those more wholesome, right. perfect intervals. Yeah. So like, for example, if you take that seventh and you move it up one step, you get to the eighth or mm-hmm. the octave, which right. is one of those really open intervals. Mm-hmm. So resolving the seventh to the octave 
is a very uh, satisfying feeling. Very satisfying. And a lot of composers have uh, really taken advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's listen to some of those seconds and sevenths now. So as you can hear, um, the difference between these intervals is huge. The seconds and the sevenths have so much more tension. They really want to get back to those perfect intervals. So composers use that a lot, especially the use of the seventh to really make you feel like you're reaching towards that octave and you want to get back to that wholesome octave. Mm-hmm. And um, if these if these numbers are, are confusing or too much, mm-hmm. they're really not that important. Just, right. We're just trying to show you the different ways that combinations of notes can make you feel. Exactly. And these composers really took advantage of all of those different combinations. Arvo Pear also was really interested in sound, sound quality, um, the different sort of timbres he could get from lots of different instruments, but especially um, the sounds he could get from bells. And that's called tintinabulation. Which is a great, great word. Super duper word. Um, which just translates to to bell tones. Mm -hmm. And in pretty much all of his pieces, you can hear his interest in tintinabulation. But in the Spiegel im Spiegel, you can definitely hear it in especially the piano. Yeah. In our piano podcast coming up later, we will talk about the mechanics of the piano a little bit more. But just to give a simple overview, the piano makes very bell-like tones. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time the pianist hits a note, the note just hits like a hammer and then it decays pretty much immediately. It cannot sustain, very much like a bell. So he uses the piano for a lot of those kinds of compositions. Yeah, so getting back to Spiegel und Spiegel, or Mirror in the Mirror, Arvo Perret focuses on the idea of the infinity mirror, which is an idea that or I guess it's not an idea, it's a thing you could actually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you stand between two mirrors and then you look at the reflection of one mirror in the other, it creates this infinity mirror. I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, you've seen pictures of it, but if you look or into one mirror... It. Yeah, or experienced it. You just see infinite reflections. Yeah. I've been to a, a hotel once, I think, that had a mirror on both sides, and it's always so interesting. Yeah, You're it's like, super ah! trippy. Yeah, super so, trippy. So now, imagine that in music. Yes. So the way that Arvo Parrot kind of creates this sonic version of the infinity mirror is by centering the whole piece around the note A. Mm -hmm. So A is kind of like your center point between the two mirrors. And he has a constant triplet figure in the piano that's nonstop. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's just kind of like the base of the whole piece. Right. um, Yeah. And then what he does is in the solo instrument, in this particular arrangement, it's a cello. He builds scales around the note A. So right, so first, either coming from above or below. Right, as to be like the two mirrors with the infinite reflections in it. Exactly. So one of the mirrors is a scale coming from above the A. And if you look to the Do-do-do-do-do. other side, the other mirror is coming from below. Do-do-do-do-do. And also what he does to make this super interesting is he starts with a very small scale by just starting one note above and one note below. And then he continues to build on it throughout the piece. So the second time he approaches A, he goes from two notes below and then two notes above and then three notes and then four notes, you know. Yeah. The pattern continues until he reaches the full octave, basically. Yeah. So this is pretty hard to to explain and talk about in a podcast without listening to it or seeing the music itself. Yeah. So what we're going to do now is we're going to play the piece 
and then we're gonna walk you through it in real time. Yeah, so let's do it. This is a recording of Arvo Pert's Spiegel im Spiegel by cellist Leonard Rocek and pianist Herbert Schuf. So there's the piano. Creating those bell-like tones. Tintinabulation. Tintinabulation. So here the cello is approaching the A from the bottom note. Now he's achieved the A. It's a big bell. <laughs> now he's above the A. And there it is again. So in that last one, you can hear that instead of going up the scale, they start from the note right below the A and go back down and then come back up to the A. So you can hear that interval bef- between what was an E and an A creating that um, perfect fourth. So it's that interval between the E and the A that we were talking about that makes each time the scale happens a little bit more interesting. Yeah, and then each time he adds a note, uh, to that scale or a, a reflection in the mirror, it creates a different harmony or a different tension. So each time he adds it, you get a little more. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. It's really clever and a really beautiful way to write music in a very simple way that has a lot of meaning and interest to it. Yeah. Um, another cool thing that he does is every time the melody reaches the A, there's a little palate cleanser in the piano that tells you that you've reached it. So that's when you hear like the bong in the piano or the bink in the piano it's just a nice little moment to be like ah we've made it Mm -hmm. so the next composer we wanted to talk about is steve reich Mm -hmm. and steve reich is another composer who is still alive today so that's pretty cool um and he focuses more on rhythm so in this piece specifically in this piece specifically he focuses on rhythm and this piece is called piano phase Uh, This is a very famous piece, Mm -hmm. and basically what he does is he has two pianos, and they play the same thing over and over, and it phases in and out of when it's together. Right. So what exactly does that mean? When the two pianists start together, they're playing the exact same melody, so everything, it sounds like unison, it sounds like one pianist is playing, 
And then one of the pianists slowly changes the tempo a little bit and gets a little bit slower so that um, eventually the second pianist is one eighth note later than the first pianist. Therefore creating a different rhythmic pattern, a different interval combination, and a different way of hearing the same melody in a way. Yeah, it's like if you're walking in step with someone and your left foot is going the same synced up with their left uh and then one person slows down a little bit and now your right foot is with their left foot right it's that sort of slow change in the speed of your step it was was also another analogy you were talking about was when you turn on your blinker when you're driving yeah yeah and uh, the person in front of you you start to notice that you have the same blinking rhythm and then yours gets a little too slow and then it messes up but then it links back on later Mm -hmm. that's the same idea with his piano phase another visual sort of example it's kind of like a kaleidoscope this one's a little bit more ambiguous in a way (laughs) Um, but you know how a kaleidoscope as you as you turn the kaleidoscope it it changes the pattern and the colors that are coming out in the crystals and um, that's kind of a similar effect that he's going for i think yeah so now we're going to listen to steve reich's piano phase and we're going to listen to the beginning through the first phase Um, so you're going to hear the pianos playing together and then you're going to hear it sound like one of the pianists messed up a little bit yeah it's kind of falling apart yeah and they're not quite together and then hopefully you'll be able to hear that rhythmically they're together but Mm -hmm. it creates a different sound because the the first pianist um is still playing uh, exactly in time and the second pianist should be one note behind right so it um eventually will create a new beat and a new Mm -hmm. um chord between the two pianos and you'll kind of feel it in a sort of different way it won't feel like it's like falling apart anymore it'll feel like it's locked in in place and then it'll move on to the third phase eventually Right, right so let's listen now and see if you can hear the shift these are pianist edmund neiman and nurit tiles performing steve reich's piano phase Yeah, 
So you can really feel it when they lock in, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's this kind of sense that like everything has cleared up, like it was all very foggy, and then it suddenly like mm-hmm. you can see. You put your glasses on, and yeah. the leaves on the trees, wow. you know. Yeah, I forgot how long that first unison phase is. Yeah, I was like waiting for it to start phasing, and it doesn't phase for a while. Yeah. I think when they are first introducing the theme, they play it for a little bit longer so that mm-hmm. you can really get it in your head. Right. And then they phase into that second. Yeah, they give you that false sense of security, and then they're like, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but some of the phases that they um, lock into, some of them kind of feel better than other ones. Some mm-hmm. of them like really lock in in a really cool way, and the rhythm is super interesting. So if you can make it through the entire piece, sometimes it's it's kind of hard to keep listening to it yeah. for like hours Maybe it's not hours long, it's not but, hours, but, but it can. It is like fifteen minutes. Though. Yeah, it's it's fifteen minutes of the same thing basically going on. Right. But if you are really enjoying it and you make it through, you can hear all of the different senses of security that you get as mm-hmm. you go through each of these phases. Yeah, each phase makes you feel a little different. Mm-hmm. Which is and cool. some of them just like click in a nice way, and you're like, oh, I liked that one. Yeah. So. What's well, cool because it's just the same thing, but it makes you feel different yeah. each time. Yeah. Um, which is kind of uh, the theme of minimalist music. It's like, it's very simple, but it makes you feel, every little difference is is something pretty significant. It makes you feel yeah. really different, even from the, just the small changes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Steve Reich is a great composer for minimalist music, as well as other sorts of modern music, as well as Arvo Pert. Um, there are lots of minimalist composers out there. And um, if you check out our YouTube playlist, you can hear all of these pieces in their full, as well as um, check out Piano Phase by one pianist instead of two. Crazy. This one pianist does it all by himself, which is pretty crazy. He figures out how to phase. Yeah, that's some serious brain power. Serious brain power. He just has two pianos and he uses his left hand on the left piano and his right hand on the right piano. It's pretty mind melting. It's very mind melting. It's really impressive. So. Um, You can go check that out Mm -hmm. as well as um, hopefully find in the suggested videos some more minimalist style music as well. So uh, go check that out. And thanks for listening today on Class Half Full. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Class Half Full. We hope it was both enjoyable and educational and that you will subscribe and like us on Instagram and Facebook. If you're interested in diving deeper into the contents of today's episode or have any questions, please also feel encouraged to reach out via reviews, email, or social media. All of the links are in the description. Shout out to Brett Copeland and Julie Gunn for playing tuba and piano with us in our theme song. And special thanks to Brett for writing the music and mastering the track. We hope you'll join us again next week here on Class Half Full, as there's always more music to explore and enjoy.